Hi, I'm Adrian, the host of She's So Cool, a female empowerment podcast. This show is for listeners who want to hear from strong and influential women. Welcome to She's So Cool, where each episode will inspire you to embrace who you are, love yourself fiercely, and pursue your dreams. She's So Cool is hosted by Adrian White and produced by Fempower Media. For more information or to get in touch, visit fempowermedia.com. In this episode, I will be providing tips to overcoming imposter syndrome. If you haven't listened to the episode where I provide an introduction to imposter syndrome, feel free to pause this episode and come back after you've listened to that one. I'm honestly blown away by all the women who have been interested in participating in these mindset episodes. I know I said it last time, but I'm truly, truly blown away. Throughout this episode, you will hear from women from all walks of life, sharing their experiences with imposter syndrome. Erica reached out to me on Instagram and sent me this voice message. I didn't ask for it, so she provided me permission to share this message with you all. This is going to be easier to just send a voice message for. So I loved the podcast just because it was really insightful for me. I think like I hear a lot about imposter syndrome and everybody talks about it, especially when you're an entrepreneur. And, you know, I didn't really have the research and the backing and the understanding and like the education that you provided about imposter syndrome was really beneficial for me. Because I'm over here like self-diagnosing myself, right? And then on top of that, having you share parts of your story and just be so vulnerable and authentic and open up about it was really, it was just the whole episode just led, left me with this feeling of like, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy for feeling this way. And there is a resolution that I can find and finding practical tools to help guide me through this process. I absolutely loved receiving that message. So many of the things that she said just totally resonated with the whole mission of this show to help people feel like they're less alone and to give them the research and the tools to overcome some of the things they're experiencing in life. So with that being said, I'm so excited to dive into this week's episode where I talk all about the tips to overcome imposter syndrome. As you know, the information provided in the Introduction to Imposter Syndrome episode came from the 1985 book titled The Imposter Phenomenon, Overcoming the Fear That Haunts Your Success, written by Pauline Rose Clance, who discovered the concept while conducting research alongside Suzanne Imes in 1974. The tips provided in this episode also came from this book. You know, I could have gone to Google and just researched all over the internet to establish a list of tips for you. But to me, it just seemed like it made the most sense to provide you tips from the source, from the woman who had discovered this whole phenomenon through her research. I highly recommend you grab a pen and paper so you can take some notes throughout the episode. I'm going to be providing you with tips and exercises to help you overcome the feelings associated with imposter syndrome. So before we get into the tips, I want to share an excerpt from Pauline's 1985 book, where she said, Imposter phenomenon victims generally are eager to change their behaviors and remove the mask. Many have tried in the past to do just that. Some of their methods may have worked, but chances are most have failed. 
One of the reasons for this failure is that it's highly likely they've never had a label for the symptoms they've experienced. Although their fears and worries are very real to them, they've probably never said, I'm having imposter feelings, I'm always thinking that I have to mask who I am. Once they are able to say such things, most imposters feel that there might be hope. They're usually deeply relieved to find out they're not alone and that the imposter experience occurs very frequently among many intelligent, successful people. This knowledge in itself may change the sense of shame and secrecy that surrounds so many imposter phenomenon victims. So according to Pauline, the first step to overcoming imposter syndrome is to further examine your imposter feelings and admit that they exist. In her book, she provides several exercises that have been found to be highly effective for individuals experiencing imposter syndrome. To complete these exercises, all you need is a notebook and a pen or a notes app on your phone or computer. Although she has a ton of different exercises, I've picked my favorites for this episode. So let's dive in. So tip number one, when you find yourself doubting your ability, whether that's to cope or to complete a task or just doubting your ability to succeed, she recommends that you make a note of it, whether it's in your phone or in a journal. And she really wants you to talk about the feelings and what you're really saying to yourself at that time. And it's important that you be honest with yourself about whether your need to be perfect prevents you from enjoying your success or if it prevents you from reaching for higher goals. It's so important to reflect on these feelings, label them as imposter feelings, and acknowledge that they do not represent a valid or realistic assessment of your abilities. Once you've written your feelings about your self-doubt, write down how you actually performed. You may feel like a failure, but the evidence of your actions may show that you're actually succeeding. So reviewing your feelings and your true performance will help you realize that your feelings of doubt and anxiety are not true indicators of your performance. So for me, as I reflect on this tip, this idea of self-doubt and then comparing it to my achievements and really understanding the feelings associated with, you know, reaching for new goals and letting my anxieties prevent me from reaching for new goals because I'm afraid of failure. I actually had this really thought-provoking conversation in 2014. At the time, I was living in North Carolina with my husband while he was in graduate school. And at that point, I hadn't gone to graduate school yet. We were on vacation, actually visiting Utah, where I now live. And I was sitting down with a professor at the University of Utah. And I was talking to her about my future path and my future goals. And I was talking to her about potentially going to the University of Utah for graduate school in therapeutic recreation, which is what I ended up going to graduate school for, but in North Carolina. During that conversation, she was asking me about my accomplishments and my previous jobs, and I just kind of responded, you know, I've just been really lucky. And this was one of the most life-changing conversations I've ever had. She said, no, you're not just lucky, and you're robbing yourself by telling yourself that. She said, you earned where you are. Everything that you've accomplished, you have contributed to. And for you to say that you were lucky is not fair to you or anyone else. I was 23 at the time, and I was just blown away because I had lived my whole life thinking, yes, I'm successful, but most of that is because of my circumstances, because I did the right thing or I knew the right person. And instead, 
She helped me reframe that I had earned my accolades. I had earned my successes and that it really wasn't luck. You know, there might be some sort of contribution of luck, but really I was giving luck the credit. I was robbing myself of taking accountability for my successes. So ever since that conversation, I have always, you know, helped other people reframe the way they see their successes. When they think or when they say that they were just lucky, then I say, hold up. Let me tell you about this conversation I had where I learned that it's really not luck and that you have earned the ability to be where you are and you will continue to earn the right to accomplish things in your future. This is a concept that Pauline writes about in her book is that people who experience imposter syndrome think that they're lucky and they don't actually own up to their success. They don't take accountability for the things that they accomplished. And I think this is so important. And that conversation that I had was so pivotal to the way that I saw myself and to the way I saw my resume and to the way I interacted with people and the way I talked about my success and the way I talked about my skills. And so if you haven't heard that yet, and this is your first time hearing that, I hope it has a big impact on you as well. So we're going to move on to the second tip. When you're put in situations where you're experiencing imposter syndrome feelings, it's important to assess whether you're approaching people and projects naturally as yourself or if you feel like you need to put on a mask to talk to those people or to accomplish those tasks. So take a really close look at the way you talk and act around people and determine if you're putting on a facade. If you discover that you are, Pauline recommends, the next time, try slipping the mask away a little at a time, and try being more yourself. Imagine how much more comfortable you would be without the mask, and what a relief it would be to finally admit how you actually feel. And imagine how others would react if they saw the more vulnerable, more human face that's been hiding so long under the synthetic one. Be realistic about this, and try to decide if they would react as harshly or as dramatically as you've always feared. But really, the most important thing is to first admit whether or not you actually do hide behind a mask and conceal your feelings. If you're finding that you do, becoming aware of these habits and feelings is the first step in becoming more permanently mask-free. So Pauline recommends that you start writing down times when you feel uncomfortable. Not only that, but more specifically what your feelings are and how you act in that situation. Do this for about a week, and then at the end of the week, go through that list. As you go through the list, she recommends that you look and you determine if you are acting through a facade or if you are wearing a mask, or if you are genuinely being yourself and you are just uncomfortable in the situation. Once you've done that for every item on the list, go through and see how often it is that you were putting on a facade or wearing a mask. Then you can go through the list one more time and see if there's anything consistent across the times that you are putting on a mask. Is it when you're in the presence of a certain person or in a certain location? And then identifying, you know, when you're actually experiencing those imposter syndrome feelings and getting closer to what is triggering those feelings. 
In the last Mindset episode, you heard from musician and music attorney Lexi Todd as she shared about her experiences with imposter syndrome. Now you'll hear her talk about the tactics she uses to cope with feelings prompted by imposter syndrome. Tips to cope with imposter syndrome. The first thing that comes to mind, and this might sound a little callous, but put your blinders on. The second I stopped overanalyzing every other artist's social media posts, what they were doing, who they were following, it became so much easier to just believe in myself because obviously you're going to feel more like an imposter when you're constantly stacking yourself up to other people. And I do think, you know, some market research is necessary, right? Definitely research what's out there, see what people are doing, but don't do it to the point that after you turn your phone off, you don't even want to make music anymore, which is, I think, something that a lot of creatives experience, not just musicians. They'll read other people's work. They'll follow other people's lives and just nitpick what they do compared to those people to the point where they've convinced themselves, nope, you'll never do this. Just stop now. So put your blinders on is a big one. Second, more, more internal, journaling has been huge for me. That's one thing that I've kept up with in this entire self-help journey I've been on for the past couple of years is I journal every day and there's no set agenda necessarily. Every day it's different. Some days it's ranting. Some days it's just a list of a to-do list. Some days it's a song, but it has forced me to be honest with myself and I try to do it first thing in the morning before I can you know, let the day's worries influence what I write. I get my coffee. I still do it. I do it in bed before I even get out of bed. I write my page or two, and that has been huge in, like I said, self-accountability and being honest. I try to also set kind of goal lists in my journals periodically. I don't do it at set intervals, but I earmark the pages and I go back and I read the goal lists probably once a week, and that really helps. And I would say the last thing is just, this goes with put your blinders on, but trust your gut. You have to do your research, of course, and you do want to see what other people are doing. But at the end of the day, just trust your instinct because your instinct is going to tell you what is right for you more than, you know, a course on advertising or a course on this and that. I think at the end of the day, we undervalue just our basic instinct because subconsciously we do know ourselves. Journaling helps with knowing yourself so you can trust your gut a little more and with more confidence. Uh, But at the end of the day, something back there knows what's really right for you because you are you. And so trusting that more, I think, has helped with feeling less like an imposter. Now let's move on to tip number three. In the intro to imposter syndrome episode, I shared that I would overwork and overprepare myself as a way to cope with my imposter syndrome. If you find yourself experiencing this as well, here's what you can do. Pick a task that's not crucial to your job or personal situation, and then intentionally spend less time and effort on this task than you normally would. Only allow yourself the amount of time necessary to do the job well. If you're able to succeed with doing less work, you can begin decreasing the amount of time you spend on that task. Here's what Pauline has to say about it. With practice and with time, you'll learn how to more realistically appraise the amount of energy and work that are needed to be well-prepared without being over-prepared. And as this happens, you're likely to feel far less stress and finally more joy about your accomplishments. 
So for me, up until last week, I would spend hours and hours editing my podcast to perfection. I would remove every single breath, every stutter, and every noise I deemed unappealing. So last week, I challenged myself to not over-edit. I saved so much time, hours and hours of time, and no one wrote in to complain about the extra breathing or the extra noises. That is a way for me to step away from these feelings of perfectionism and step into finding more joy with my time because time is precious. So how can you save more time by giving up perfectionism in exchange for the things that make you happy? We're going to go straight into tip number four. After you acknowledge that you're experiencing imposter syndrome, you need to change the way you receive criticism and praise. It's important to realize and admit that you may be dismissing all proof that you are intelligent, creative, and productive. If you have difficulty accepting praise, know that you're not alone. It's recommended that you keep a record of any positive feedback or any compliments you receive for at least a week. If you saw my IGTV where I talked about three tips to overcoming imposter syndrome, you'll know that one of the tips I provided there is to keep like a positive feedback file, whether that's screenshots on your phone or a Google Drive folder or a folder on your desktop, whatever works, but start collecting this positive feedback. And so when you're feeling down or when you're feeling like a fake or you're feeling like, you know, you're not worthy of to be where you are, you can turn to that file to show yourself that you have proof that you are worthy and that you have earned the right to be where you are. So collect this positive feedback again, at least for a week. Then you need to make a note of how you responded to this feedback, mentally, physically, and verbally. Did you dismiss the praise? Maybe you're afraid of becoming arrogant if you begin to believe good things people have to say about you. Or maybe you're afraid that people will be jealous of you or dislike you. It's really important to determine the root feeling behind your dismissal of praise. Pauline recommends this prompt for reflection. In your notebook, you would write, I am having trouble changing this behavior of dismissing praise because. So I challenge you to try accepting and receiving positive feedback without attempting to minimize or dismiss it. Accepting praise may actually help you enjoy and appreciate your success more. Before we move on to the next tip, listen to chronic illness health coach Phoebe Taylor as she shares her experience with imposter syndrome and accepting praise from others. I was experiencing imposter syndrome a long while ago when I was asked to teach meditations for a local meditation studio here and I was shocked. I did not feel like I belonged. I definitely didn't think I had the skills, even though I was trained and had done all the things I needed to do in order to become a meditation teacher and to guide people in meditations. I still didn't feel fully worthy or ready for it, I don't think, but I have had enough experience with my imposter syndrome now to recognize when it's happening. And when I get that little ping in my mind that's like, whoa, this is your imposter syndrome coming up, I normally either journal about it or I take a minute to sit down with myself, 
and ask the questions like, where are you not feeling worthy and why do you not feel like you can do this? All right, here is tip five. As we all know, fear of failure can be very scary. Even just the idea of failing can elicit really strong emotions within us. I will be the first to tell you that I can like get a knot in my stomach just from thinking about the possibility of failure. In my last mindset episode, I told you that I hate making mistakes. I absolutely cannot stand it. And I will do anything in my power to prevent myself from making a mistake. Individuals with imposter syndrome associate failure with humiliation and shame. They try to avoid failure at all costs, which can result in never taking risks. I mean, it's normal for us to try to avoid failing. But as Pauline puts it, the reality is that when people are reaching toward accomplishments, they're likely to make some mistakes along the way or even occasionally fail. She suggests using this phrase during your coping exercise. You can either write it down or state it to yourself. This is what it says. If I make a mistake or fail in some aspect of my work or my life, I can and will live through it. A failure will not devastate or destroy me. It's how I cope with mistakes or failures that ultimately matters. So if you do make mistakes, it's important to not beat yourself up about it. I know how that can be. I do it myself all the time, but I'm getting better at it. So instead, try to nurture your mind and body. Instead of feeling trapped and defeated by a mistake, reframe your perspective of the failure and try to learn a lesson from it. I think we can get so wrapped up in our heads. You know, this fear of possible failure can sometimes even be worse than dealing with the actual experience of failure because we're anticipating an unknown and we're going through all the failure-based possibilities. When you find yourself going through a failure spiral, take a step back, take a deep breath, and remind yourself that you can use that mental energy for something more positive and more productive. On my website, I have a tab called Work With Me. I was approached by a high school junior named Rhea Goyle, who was interested in being on She's So Cool. She works with the Girl Up campaign and the United Nations. She's an intersectional feminist who wanted to share her experience with imposter syndrome. There's always so many other people that, you know, have kind of set the path and set the example of what you should be like. And then you always want to, um, I guess, live up to what their standards are or be exactly them. Or I can give you an example. I skipped a grade and um, I always followed in the footsteps of the other person who skipped a grade before me. And, you know, whatever he did is what I should have done so that I could be successful like he was successful. So for me, that was very hard because obviously we're not the same person. And he was involved in things like marching band, which I did do for some point, which didn't really make sense for me as a person because I wasn't as musically inclined. It wasn't something that was contributing to my personality or my personal growth whatsoever. But um, once I was able to remove myself from that and understand, you know, hey, this isn't for you, but you can be successful in any other, you know, thing that you really want to do. I started rowing and that was something that really enhanced me as a person, really made me feel good about myself and really helped me get into shape, get into what I wanted to be. So I think that was definitely a, a shift in me. And we're going to finish up with tip number six. If you or someone in your life has ever called you a perfectionist, this tip is for you. 
Being a perfectionist isn't easy. It can require a lot of time and energy. I'm actively trying to let go of some of my perfectionist tendencies. And I love that Pauline suggests that we can become more selective about our perfectionism by setting priorities. For me, I think it's a good idea to do a life audit. Make a list of things that you want or need to be perfect in your life right now. Then go through that list and mark the activities that don't actually need to be perfect. You can start with one activity at a time if you'd like. You can ask yourself, what will happen if I don't do this perfectly? At first, it may be difficult for you to ease up and expect less of yourself. But if you practice and give yourself time to adjust, you will have more time to do your best work on the projects that really require excellence. If you select these activities carefully, the change will not be noticed by others, and it will likely relieve a lot of pressure that you've been putting on yourself. I think it's important to note that it's totally okay for you to maintain your standards of excellence in the important aspects of your job and your life. The real key is to determine whether those high standards are really needed. Since so many people who experience imposter syndrome also experience the internal and societal pressures of being perfect, the next Mindset series will be all about perfectionism. If you've ever felt the need to strive for perfection, you won't want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed to She's So Cool to ensure the episode is delivered directly to your listening device as soon as the episode is available. If you want to share a voice memo about your personal experience with perfectionism, send me an email at fempowermedianetwork at gmail.com. So for those of you who follow me on Instagram at fempowermedia, you know that I just launched a branding survey. Really what this is, is for me to get an understanding of your feedback, you know, things that you think about me and things that you think about my business. This is really a tool for me to identify, you know, where am I communicating what I'm doing effectively and where am I falling short? So if you want to help me, then you can go to the link in the episode description and fill out a short branding survey. And it is anonymous, but if you want to reach out to let me know that you have completed the survey, then I'll send you a free digital gift. Thank you so much for your time and support. This may be the first time you're hearing it, but it is absolutely true. Starting She's So Cool changed my life. I had no idea that my podcast would connect me with some of the most amazing people in my life. I didn't realize that it would lead me to taking the plunge into being my own boss. I didn't know that people from all around the world would want to listen to me share my voice. Hosting a podcast is one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. Honestly, it's helped me find my purpose. That's why I started my podcast launch consulting. I want to help people like you experience what I have without the stress and anxiety I felt and without making the mistakes that I did. I've already started consulting with some really incredible women and I'm helping them get ready to launch their podcasts. If you've dreamed of hosting a podcast, making more money and having a larger impact on the world, I would love to help you launch your show. Information about my podcast launch consulting is in the episode description. I wanted to give special thanks to Erica, Lexi, Phoebe, and Rhea for sharing their perspectives on imposter syndrome. And I want to thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and tell your friends and family to listen. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to email me at fempowermedianetwork at gmail.com. You can also see the show notes, sign up for email updates, and provide episode suggestions on fempowermedia.com. 
The cover art was created by Gabrielle Bourgeois, and the music was created by Broke for free. <laughs>